Hello, this is Bill Curley. And Holly Hudley. And welcome to the podcast In Between, which is an educational offering of St. Paul's United Methodist Church and Ordinary Life. Well, good morning, Holly. So we are opening Ordinary Life for in-person attendance this coming Sunday, and yes. I will tell you that I am hearing um, from a number of people, and I'm hearing really mixed things. I bet. I got an email from somebody this morning that um, commented on last Sunday and then said, just think. This Sunday, we get to see each other. And I talked to Mm -hmm. someone yesterday who said, "Um, since you all are going to continue to live stream, I just have to tell you, I'm not yet ready. I'm not ready to get out. So there's both of that. There's both. And, um, And I feel both in my own body, to be honest with you. Um. I was with friends at a park with our kids not not too long ago, and we really haven't gotten the opportunity this year to be together that much. And they're people we usually spend a lot of time with. And um, it felt so natural, but it also, there's just this kind of guardedness that I think we're all used to. And then there's just all the difficulty that has happened, arisen, been revealed this year that leaves something different in our body. So I feel both excited and normal, quote unquote, seeing folks. And I feel anxious and a little uncertain about it. I feel both things. I feel that, you know, I feel the same way. And and, and I'm sure I'm going to work the whole remodeling of St. Paul's into a talk sometime soon because it just occurred to me this morning in my morning time that going through that incredible disruption, which was before COVID hit, of course, um, was really, really difficult for those of us who worked in the building at St. Paul's. Very disruptive. We all got dislocated. And the payoff of it was that I got this brand new built for me office in the basement or in the bottom floor um i'm i'm um I'm, I'm calling that floor the the grounded floor yeah <laughs> i love that we, are the, we here down there are the grounded ones i got to use it for three months yeah i remember i mean you helped you, me set we, it up yeah. I was, and, right part of helping and, that process. and and so um I found out a couple of weeks ago that I could resume seeing clients there and and people I see for direction, Uh, but I haven't done it yet. I'm hesitant to go back for a variety of reasons. Um, So I've begun asking people uh, and the answer that I'm getting is that though they miss being in the office physically face to face, um 
it's a combination of not being prepared and also um, regardless of how we experience some of the negative aspects of Zoom, it's way more convenient to meet on Zoom than it is to get in your car, drive half an hour for a 45 minute meeting and then get in your car and drive back. It's just, it, it is. is. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I there's part of me um, that really never wants to go back to having to drive across the city for hour long meeting, meetings. There's the inevitable Houston snarl of traffic, you know, 610 and I-10 is just always a mess. And I feel like I'm almost always heading to meetings in that area of town, but um, it is convenient. Um, it's also, you know, just as <laughs> what just happened before we were supposed to, to record. Oh, somebody just dropped something by the house. I'm a little bit late. It's one thing bleeds into the other mm-hmm. more, more on Zoom. And so it's, we have to be really good about defining boundaries when we're on Zoom all day, for mm-hmm. example. Are you going right through your lunch? Are you missing the stand up and walk around mm-hmm. breaks? Are you missing your bathroom mm-hmm. breaks? And I think that um, on the one hand, it's, it's, I love being home. I'm such a homebody. And I love the convenience and the comfort mm-hmm. of that. And it's harder to draw that boundary between where I stop and work begins or that home life Mm -hmm. balance, I guess. You know, um, I had a meeting with my internal medicine doctor or just regular checkup visit a few weeks ago. And um, I complained of some pain in my feet. And Mm. um, he said, well, the answer to what's going on is that for over a year, you've given up your routine of um, getting in your car, driving to your office, walking in, walking about, going up and downstairs, walking around to see people, and it's affected your body. And he's absolutely yeah. right. So I do try to discipline myself. As you know, I my study is in the second story of my house. And so mm-hmm. after every appointment, I get up and walk downstairs and try to walk outside and do that stuff because it's just a thing to do. But nonetheless, we we will we will make a transition back to occupying our offices, but I don't think it will be like it was. Oh, yeah. we're not going to do that. People are finding out they can work from home and be yeah. with their family, be with their kids. Dogs. Yeah. You know, our dogs, I think you and I both have dogs who like to follow us around. (laughs) My poor dog, if I run upstairs for something that I have forgotten, it could take me 30 seconds. He runs upstairs after me. And then as I run right back downstairs, he just looks at me like, really, we're not staying? (laughs) But he follows me. And I, I, you know, I've read some articles recently about the sort of pandemic pets. A lot of people, a lot of people adopted pets Mm -hmm. during this time. And a lot of people have given them back. And so there's also this kind of interesting, I believe animals suffer trauma, this interesting thing happening with um, pet adoption and having them come back to the SPCA or to, to foster care, et cetera. And then the pets that we do have that we keep, they're gonna be a little bit anxious when we start disappearing yeah. again. So. 
um, this gets me into introducing what we're going to talk about on Sunday. Yeah. I have um, exercised executive privilege and given the class a title without even consulting you. Do you need my um, explicit consent? Yeah. Um, I completely sign the dotted line, consent to letting you title any of the classes. All you right. Want. I almost always say, great. <laughs> well, the title, the title that I came up with this Sunday is Out Where the New Begins. And after yeah. I thought about that title, <clears throat> and I'll tell you why I came up with it, I thought of the poem by Rumi, uh, Out Beyond Ideas of Wrongdoing and Right Doing, There is a Field. Mm. I'll meet you there. When I'll the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make any sense. I love that poem. I love the stuff by Rumi that. that we have found separately and together over mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. over the years. So um, we're introducing a new theme on Sunday. You'll have to yeah. either be there or tune in to find out what it is. There will be no disclosing. No disclosure of the ahead secrets. of time. Um, <laughs> but it's you know. We can't go back to normal. No. And well, the normal that we had was not good. Was not very functional. Not very functional. That is absolutely yeah. true. And um, I, I am thinking that one of the things that we have a solemn obligation to do is our own form of what uh, the Buddhists called engaged Buddhism. We have to uh, have teachings that um, encourage people to be the way they want the world to be. Oh, I love that. So you were, do you, is that poem by Rumi in your memory bank? Is that just one you call upon yeah, yeah. a lot? Okay. So this morning, um, you know, Krista Tippett, oh, yeah. her, her podcast on being, well, they have a lot of different offshoots of on being. And my favorite one is Poetry Unbound with Padre Gotuma, who is an Irish poet. And he is, he's phenomenal. His story is phenomenal. He does a sort of um, violence reconciliation project in Northern Ireland. He um, was studying to become a priest and he's gay, so they wouldn't let him. Uh, so he had this deep, dark abyss time with his own faith. But poetry is something, and I totally relate to his love of poetry in that way, um, that has given him language. Other people's poems as well as his own, but the, this one poem is called The Cave by Paul Tran, which elicits a lot of images, right? That the cave is part of the hero's journey or the abyss. The, the, the dark night of the soul. It's also an allegory by Plato. That's a whole other thing. I, would, I think it'd be fun to teach a lesson on that actually. But it ends like this. And, and this reminds me of the Rumi poem. Someone continued, they followed the idea so far inside that outside was another idea. Oh, wow. Now is this the guy yeah. who was behind that prayer book that you were reading from so much? I yes. bought that book. Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. The Corey yeah. Miller prayer yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, he's just a really thoughtful guy, but that paradox, right? We have to go deep inside the idea to get outside the idea. Mm-hmm. And I just was thinking to myself, what is this idea that we want to think about the world that we want to live in? What is that idea? Mm-hmm. Because we have to go deep inside the old ideas to get into the new ones. Mm-hmm. We have to deconstruct them to reconstruct mm-hmm. something else. And that's hard because it's it's like learning how to bake the cake while you're also eating it. <laughs> or how to build a boat while you're riding out the storm, yeah. you know, either, yeah. either one yeah. of those metaphors. And, you know, I think what I want to try to do, I had a long conversation yesterday with a young mm. man who is um, probably chronologically not, he's not in the second half of life. So he's not prepared to really to grasp the mm. idea of non-duality, but he wants to, and he's struggling with it. Mm. It just doesn't make any sense to him. And what I want to say is it doesn't make sense. It's not supposed right. to make sense. And of course that makes yeah. no sense. <laughs> yeah. And so it's a, it's a real, it's a real struggle, but um, I, I think the, the way of, again, I'm borrowing from Buddhism, though I want to be clear, Holly, I don't know. And, and I want to hear from you about this as I've kind of gotten clear about how I want to, adapt, adopt, adapt, and communicate wisdom teachings going forward. I really am going to primarily use the database of Jesus teachings and the mystics mm-hmm. who have taught about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's where I've been reading during the COVID. I've been reading um, a lot in that in that arena. So I'm going to use, use a lot of that. And it, it seems to me that um, the way forward is really rather like walking a labyrinth. Maybe that's what, you, when you mm. said what you just did, it reminded me of the labyrinth, you go deep inside mm-hmm. and then by following it, you come back out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, well, I have two, two thoughts on that. One, that could be the answer to our graphic is is some idea of a labyrinth mm. a labyrinthian move mm-hmm. um i actually have a one that i could show you but or a mandala of sorts I love a mandala that has better. that same yeah that same idea and of course young worked with the mandala as a dream in, image of wholeness mm-hmm. right great idea yeah and the other thing that comes up is is mystics who taught about Jesus or who wrote about Jesus. I'd love to hear who, you know, and I know who you're reading because you share it so often, but I'd love for you to say here, who is inspiring you in terms of new thinking about Jesus? And it's funny because when I read other mystics, like Sufi mystics, um, I guess Sufism, that's a redundant phrase, Sufi mystic, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or when I read about Buddhism, when I read poetry that's grappling with mystical ideas or spiritual ideas, I experience Jesus in a new way through other means too. Mm-hmm. So 
I'd love to know how we're going to kind of bridge those. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear who you're reading. That's inspiring. Well, okay, that's a fair question. Um, I am reading Meister Eckhart and books about Meister yes. Eckhart. I got the one you recommended. And I also got another book that Amazon said, you might also enjoy. What so is that? Um, it's downstairs, but it's basically, um, it's his own writing um, meditations from Meister Eckhart. I'll get you okay. the title. And um, I've been reading um, <clears throat> John Shelby Spong's book on the fourth gospel, mm -hmm. which he is convinced is a mystical writing <clears throat> and sees Jew Jesus as a, a, a Jewish mystic. And um, I want also to say that while I'm doing this, I'm really wanting to get out of um, Christianity as the special top best religion kind of thing, because I think that's mm -hmm. really, really dangerous. Jesus wouldn't recognize anything that goes on in the Christian church today. I mean, he was right. Jew and he died right. a Jew and his early followers were Jewish. Um, anyway. I'm also reading John Sanford. John Sanford was a union analyst. Um, he's deceased now. I think John died about four or five years ago. He wrote a book, um, the first book on dream interpretation from a union perspective that really made sense to me. John Sanford wrote a little book called Dreams, God's Forgotten Language, in which he said, if you have a dream and don't honor it, it's like getting a letter from God and not reading it. John wow. Sanford has yeah, written a huge book on Christian mysticism that I've been reading and, and other things in, in that territory, in that genre. Mm. Do you recommend the Dreams God's Forgotten Language to book? everybody. Is it, um, okay, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, well, I have several. I, I I had to have my iPad propped up in such a way that it was high enough to meet my face so that I could join a Zoom call and I wanted to stand up. And so it was on this stack of about 10 books, <laughs> and one of which is this really thick tome of Jung's um, on the alchemy of the soul. And, you know, so, and that, you know, that's not light. It's great reading, but mm -hmm. it's not light. Um, but I was laughing at my stack of books being more of a table rather than anything. I haven't finished a single one of those books <laughs> and I seem to be diving into all of them, but um, I'm, I'm also taking some pleasure in just reading some short things. Um, here's one that I just got, The Paradox of Love. And it's by, that? well, one of Houston's finest, J. Pittman McGeehee. Okay. Yeah. And it's, you know, just as we get into leaning into paradox a little bit, because I think you're right. It doesn't make sense. Not a lot makes sense right now. And how do we lean into that, which does not make sense in order to make sense of it? <laughs> I really am warming up to your idea of using a mandala in our graphic, new graphic. Okay, there I we go. I think that could be really, really wonderful. And um, I'm going to keep using two graphics from the um, Christian tradition. I'm gonna keep using the image of the Pentacrator and I'll talk about that on Sunday. But the other one that I wanna put alongside of it is the painting 
the return of the prodigal. Mm. And I think you and I may tackle doing a series of talks on that painting. And it's an image that I want to keep in front of people on a regular basis because it is about coming home after having gone away to the far country. Mm -hmm. It is about the hostility and separation on the part of the elder brother who kept himself outside the feast. And it is about this masculine feminine image of the sacred mm -hmm. embracing the returning prodigal. Yeah. And um, there's just so much in that. And, you know, we have been hearing this week, the last two weeks about the Tulsa massacre. Mm -hmm. And I think of that return of the prodigal. How can we get the whole damn family together mm -hmm. to lament what we, where we have been, where we have been wrong, and to start doing the, the lamenting and the healing that we need to do to have a different kind of future? Yeah. I think lamentations is a big part of it and, and grief. I, I, you know, I sort of love the topic of grief and this is not because I am an Eeyore. I don't tend to trudge through life in a really low way. I am low right now. I will confess to that completely. I might, my, my energy is low. Um, it could be that sort of languishing idea, but it's also just coupled with some of the anxiety that we talked about earlier. Um, but grieving I actually think breathes new life into things because when we can grieve, we can also touch the depths of our love. We can touch the depths of, of, of our feeling uh, for something or our longing for something. And, you know, the coming home, the, the return of the prodigal son is the end of the hero's journey, right? And, and how do we walk through this hero's journey that is life, this hero's journey that is this moment how do we come out of that abyss, out of that cave, if you will? Um, have you read Plato's Allegory of the Cave? No. It's been a while since I have, but this poem that I read this morning kind of refers to it. Um, mm -hmm. Another book that I'm reading, oh, you know which book, A Moral Man, touches uh -huh. upon the allegory of the cave a little bit um, by Derek Delgadio. And it's, it's, so these guys are in a cave and they're watching a shadow puppet and they think that the shadow puppet show is reality. And then someone makes his way out of the cave and sees this other reality with light and comes in and tries to describe it to the people in the cave and the people in the cave are like, you're crazy. There's no such thing as that. And, and so I think that's kind of where we sit right now is some of our realities have been upended. Um, even in terms of our racial identity, of our cultural identity, learning for many of us for the first time that, that our systems work for a few, but not for all. You know, this, this is disorienting. It's like being in the cave, getting out of the cave and going, oh my gosh, there's something else out there and trying to explain it to those who raised you, those who love you, those who... Uh, you're in community with it's like that's not true there's that's that's not in our reality and so it's kind of like the coming home is leading people out of the cave in some way but in order to do that we have to have already been there 
we have to be comfortable with being in the cave. I don't mean we have to be totally out of it. I don't think that's a one-time journey. We go in and out and in and out and in and out. That's the spiral to me that you've so eloquently said is the spiritual mm -hmm. journey. Mm -hmm. but, and you know, um, I read somewhere the other day, uh, somebody summarized um, Ken Wilber's work in four phrases. Mm -hmm. so that Ken Wilber talks about waking up, growing up, cleaning up, and showing up. Mm -hmm. And I think that, frankly, those may be the only four things we really have to teach. Mm -hmm. I mean, that we mm -hmm. that are available to us to teach, but we teach them in different ways. Um, I go back and see the things that I did, say, five or 10 years ago in mm -hmm. ordinary life. And I think, oh, my God, I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, what was I thinking? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty yeah. sure if I went back to any of my lesson plans, even from being a teacher, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I'd be like, oh my goodness. <laughs> or or I will look at I don't have many manuscripts left. I mean paper manuscripts because I'm trying to get rid of things and things that are worth keeping, which believe me are precious few. Uh, I look at notes that I made in the manuscript and says, you know, things like peanut butter story here. What does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. Or and another one I re read, Papa said, I am what I am. Okay. I have no idea what it meant at the time and it's well, gone to me now. But anyway. You know, papas is uh, Spanish for potatoes. Papas. Papa said, mm. I am what I am. And a yam mm. is potato. There you go. <laughs> Um, so we're, we're going to introduce this new theme and um, I'm going to be talking about paradox and contradiction and using a lot of wisdom teachings from Jesus and you are going to oh you're fill in the blank yeah <laughs> well I also will be using the teachings of Jesus but I hope you know we, we talk about this a lot Jesus isn't the capsule you know I want to also place Jesus in inside of that sort of evolutionary cosmology place, place all of us inside of that. Because I, I don't think that Jesus is the cosmos. I think Jesus is of the cosmos. Right. And so I love this line of wisdom teachers, sometimes connected by the same faith or tradition, sometimes not. And seeing how these wisdom teachers fit together. To help us grow up, show up. So on, on Sunday, we will talk about how we envision our teaching going mm -hmm. forward. Um, and I will teach some by myself. Holly will teach some by herself. We will teach some together. We will teach some having guests come in. And um, we're, we're going to share this teaching responsibility going forward in an equitable way that doesn't drain this woman who has three prenatal teenagers that she could sometimes cheerfully kill. Did I get that right? Yes. I like the word prenage. <laughs> um, Pre yeah. Teenage. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Some days I'm madly in love with them. Some days I'm just mad. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, this will be a fun journey. Um, a challenging one uh you know the way the allegory of the cave ends is that when the sky comes back to tell them about the light 
they don't believe him and they kill him. They say, oh. no, you can't be right. Yeah. So I think it's like the call to sort of go, how do we gently emerge into the light? Like these cicadas, right? How do we come out singing in a way? By the way, I, I got to purge this from my mind. Uh -oh. Years and years ago, I was seeing a family for family therapy and oh, the parents and the teenage child were just having a horrible conflict. And the kid said to his mother, well, then why did you have me? <laughs> and the mother said, I didn't know it was going to be you. <laughs> I thought oh, it was God. funny, though. And you tried not to laugh, right? Then I in there, did I laugh. I'm oh, sorry. No. I couldn't help it. I just said, that's a great line. And You're like, can I use that on my kids? Yeah. <laughs> it deflated yeah. the room, but yeah, I, I certainly understood what she was saying. Oh, for sure. Anyway. Yeah. So, I, I you know, I am... Um, I want people when they come to ordinary life to hear things that they don't hear everywhere else. Mm -hmm. And um, I want us to be, um, well, we are radically committed to the truth as we see it. And, and the truth that uh, all the great mystics have talked about, um, Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And yet the, I think the actual translation of that is, you will know the truth, and first of all, it will piss you off, uh, because the truth is hard. Yeah, and and there's in our on our airways and from our politicians, there's not a lot of it out there. Yeah, well, you know how like the first time your lover or spouse or partner told you you're so defensive when you're angry, and your response is, "No, I am not." <laughs> Yeah. right like yeah. that's that's it that's the leaning into the like oh i just did that because mm -hmm. of course it makes us angry to be told something that we either didn't consciously know or weren't, weren't willing to consciously know mm -hmm. of course anger is part of that but then i think so is softness and if i have been reading and am just about through with diana butler bass's book freeing jesus i want mm -hmm. to read it because she will be speaking at st paul's in two ordinary life in september right oh is it first. november or september uh, we'll get it right maybe it's <laughs> november. we'll get it right before <laughs> yeah. the fall yeah and i uh, and if i have a chance to um interview her or dialogue with her i want to have read her book yeah, And she, in this book, tells about her own personal journey from being a very fundamental, fundamentalist, she was a fundamentalist, um, subservient wife, and her understanding of what it meant to be a Christian until it, it nearly killed her. Yeah. And um, she said, walking out of the cage that she herself had created by believing the things that people who loved her told her were true was a very, very traumatic experience. And it was very healing. It was both of those things yeah. at the same time. Absolutely. That's the way it works. Sitting in the both. Yeah. Well, we'll journey together. I'm grateful for you. Um, 
we'll lean in and into all the feels on Sunday. And I really liked um, our friend Matt Russell's language around this is just wanting to create a really big umbrella where anyone who wants to come in person can in whatever ways make you feel safe. Uh, if you need to sit off to the side, that's fine. If you want to wear a mask, that's fine. If you want to hug someone, ask for permission. <laughs> you know, just um, we want to create a big umbrella and still keep the virtual going. And we will hope that that makes everyone feel a sense of belonging. Can I use those words in the preview that I will send out? Sure. Do I have to give Ask Matt? Matt. <laughs> no. I don't want to give Matt credit. <laughs> well, Matt, Matt Russell is the man who recommended uh, Brian Doyle's yes. One Long River song. I just love that book. Yes, it's lovely. I recommend that as part of anybody's daily practice. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. We're going to continue to do In Between. Yes. Maybe and we'll get I, some more people on here, too. Re up that activity. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. I will see you Sunday. All right. See you Sunday. Bye. Bye.